You're listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. These last few weeks, we've, or we've been talking about what the church is and what the church looks like, and so today we want to demonstrate it. And so, would you welcome with me the, the rest of our staff up here? <laughs> if you guys haven't had a chance to meet Judd, this is Judd, our, our new AV manager, sound tech, sound guy, pro, making us sound and look good. Thank God for Judd. Um, so we had a staff meeting recently where I just posed the question to everyone, um, what is the church or who is the church? And that leads into what does it look like when, when we gather? And so um, the answers were so deeply moving and refreshing and full of you know, revelation that I thought that we should just get up here and all share uh, what we feel is God's vision for New Testament covenant community family, AKA the church. And so let's see here. Alexis, you wanna go first? You got that little chair over there. You can stand. This isn't what it looks. This isn't what it looks like in heaven, by the way. The father and son have the same size throne. Perfect. Okay. Um, so I've been part of Upper Room Frisco for three years, and I want to share a just a, a quick testimony of of why I think this is church. So um, three years ago. Um, I was in a really hard place, right? And um, I sought the Lord, and I was really burnt out, and I was on my knees crying, and I get a vision. And in this vision, it's me in a little island, and all of a sudden, I see this, like, cruise ship coming, and on the side, it's, it's like a, a red cross. And I felt the Lord said, get on. And um, I didn't know what I was saying yes to, but I'm like, okay, I'll, you know? I'm like, yes, Lord. A week later... <laughs> Um, upper room Frisco calls me and hires me um, to to work here as a youth pastor and and that ship to me represents so many things um, it, it represents community it, it represents healing and, and it represents what what God's doing here um, but he took me from my isolation um, to to a place of community and and helping build community and so so with that, um, I don't know if you're in a place where you're, you feel like you're isolated or in an island, but I feel like he's drawing people and calling people to this ship because there's, there's healing and there's, um, yeah, there's just family here. Um, but it means exposing yourself. And so to me, what church means is exposing my wounds to a family and, and within that, life transformation happens. Um, but what we do here, especially throughout the week, which is the, the prayer room and the prayer set, that's where I've gotten my revelation really of this. It's the Lord aligning my heart to, to his heart in a place of prayer and intercession for you guys. And so, I feel like I'm taking too long, but- No, you're all right. doing great. And man. so, um, for, for me, it's, I can't have all of Jesus without his body. And so I need you and I need you and I need you. And I've gotten to know so many people here and work with so many people here that I'm like, as I get to know you, 
the, the real you, you know, the hurt you or the offended you or just you. I get to know Jesus better. Mm-hmm. And so with that, my heart grows for the church and then my heart comes alive for the church. So that's what, that's what I think. So good, Alexis. Here, keep the mic a little bit longer. This is a conversation. Uh, just as you were speaking, I, I love that you got the imagery of the, the ship. Um, you know, you guys are familiar with the term manifest, right? Like we manifest the Lord. It, it simply means that what's, what's hidden is brought to light or made evident. And so the, one of the first uses of that word manifest is a ship's manifest. Everything that is hidden in the ship be, is brought into the light, which means that all of us, we begin to be brought into the light, we begin to shine. And even the things, yeah, when, when we choose community, when we're in a safe place, um, then everything that was hidden in our hull, so to speak, it, like if we're a cargo ship, it's brought out because there's power present for us to be delivered of it. Um, I also love how you just you shared about you, know, you, you don't get all of Jesus unless you get all of his body. Um, it reminded me of the, the verses about the Passover lamb. You know, the Israelites were commanded to eat all of it, to leave nothing behind, which means prophetically, metaphorically today, that we can't pick and choose the parts of Jesus that we like, which means we can't pick and choose the parts of his body that we like. That's really good. You got anything else? Yeah, just really quick. Um, So if you don't know my story, um, before I got hired on, uh, at Upper Room, I was an international student. So that meant that um, Upper Room had to sponsor me to work here legally. Um, and so that, that was a really hard process within itself, but I needed community. And if you didn't know, I got engaged, right? Woo! I, I wouldn't have been able to do that with Upper Room, without Upper Room Frisco. Like I can think, I can think of, I can think of the people in this room that that encouraged me, Sandin, thank you, uh, you know, or 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 helped me, whatever whatever it is. But I wouldn't have been able to do it without my family. Um, so, and and there's so many other testimonies. And so, uh, my encouragement is just to get on the ship and, and expose yourself um, and let your walls down because there's gold here and, I've, and I'm living it right now. Uh, so, yes. So good, Alexis. Thank you. Yeah. Judd, who is the church? What is the church? Um, I feel like it's kind of a loaded question for me. Um, I, I've been on staff at other churches in the past and got severely uh, hurt and used and abused uh, by members, by leadership and everything. So like being at Upper Room and Upper Room Frisco has been a healing experience for me. And like the Lord has restored years and years um, back to me as I've just said yes to the Lord. Um, but when Jeremy asked me this question or asked us this question, um, I just started writing down words that the Lord was bringing to my mind And uh, there's some good and some bad in here, and I'll kind of get down to it in a minute, but um, what is the church? It's family, community, security, growth, friction, offense, unity, forgiveness, grace, ownership, no blind spots, covering, humility, learning, submission, no need unmet, 
Discipleship, challenge, provoking, messy, pursuit, becoming, the bride, beautiful, safety, belonging, covenant, friendship, presence, provision, and ultimately it's God's idea. And as you've noticed, like the the bad intertwined with the good, um, there's no... There's no escaping the mess of family. And like we all have messed up members in our family and <laughs> messed up situations. Like there's no escaping it. Um, it comes along with the good. But ultimately in church, in family, in community, the good far outweighs the bad. Hey. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't get to if you're not open and vulnerable. If you don't get on the ship, if you're still on the island, you don't get the benefits. Mm-hmm. You just don't. And ultimately, it's easier to not be in community than to be in community. It's much easier to stay home on a Sunday and have your day of rest and not rub shoulders with the person next to you, share testimony, go out to lunch, buy someone's lunch. It's much easier just to stay at home. Mm-hmm. It's much easier just to post your opinions on Facebook and not sit across the table from someone and look them in the eyes. Come on now, Judd. You're convicting me here. (laughs) It's much easier to post a Yelp review about a church than to serve. (laughs) This This is where growth happens, right here. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. This is growth. This is unity. This is the church. You're looking at it. You're in it. So jump in. Yeah. So good, John. Uh, you took like all of my points, which is wonderful. <laughs> I felt like Ashley took all of mine last week. So. <laughs> Um, something that I was thinking about when you're talking about the mess is uh, Proverbs 14.4. It's a a figurative verse where it says, when there's no ox in the stall, then the stable's clean, but with the strength of the ox comes the harvest. In other words, like the, the strength of God, the Holy Spirit and us communing together in the Holy Spirit is the strength, but it makes a mess. It means the stable will have messes. But if we figure out how to get rid of the mess, we figured out how to get rid of the Lord. A mess, like a messy, this isn't an excuse for us to not be excellent. I'm just saying that if we're inviting the Holy Spirit to be who he is, there will be messes to clean up because he has a different opinion of reality than we do often. Good, Judd, well done. I was not at this meeting. where this was planned. (laughs) So I found out, I think yesterday, but that's okay. Um, I'm a a little nervous because I feel like what I need to say, I I, I haven't gotten permission. I feel like you trust me, so. 
Um, church for me, I grew up in the church. So I, I've gone to church since I was a wee little one. I have those parents that took me to church on vacation. So <laughs> there was a season and yes, um, I had to heal from legalism. Um, but there was a season where Dave and I were a part of a house of prayer, but we weren't a part of a church, Sunday church, and we missed it. And um, we were around, there was a season of our lives where we felt like we were around a bunch of people who were weirdly allergic to church. And you're like, what is going on? Like, why are you allergic? We miss it. Um, and it took some time to find churches. Um, we were part of churches that did not work out. And I feel like some of the hardest seasons that we've walked through with uh, like personal life and hardships with friends came from being a part of a church. Like that is the, if you want to get offended and hurt, you're in the right place. <laughs> but you're also in a great place for growth and healing and restoration and reconciliation. So like the hurt sucks, but I feel like the, <laughs> the goal, like the little pot at the end of the rainbow is so much bigger. And we were talking about this in our staff meeting. You don't know what you're getting when you say yes. I, like, I didn't know what I'd be getting in Alexis. I didn't know what we'd be getting in Judd. I didn't, I wouldn't know any of you who I've gotten like hugs and love and relationship and friendship from. And so I think all of this is to say like there's in that list that Jed mentioned, I also think of the word investment. I think of the word sacrifice. Um, but you don't know what the return is, right? And that's kind of the surprise of church. You just don't know because God is way more creative and way more generous than we can realize. So yeah, if you, if you are like, if we're looking for comfort, then it's like church isn't that. And if you're looking for a church that isn't going to stretch you, expand you, or offend you sometimes, or rub you the wrong way, um, that sounds really boring, right? <laughs> like to go to a church where you agree with everything that's being said. I don't think there's ever going to be a church that you're completely okay with. Um, and if you are, then maybe that's a cult. But I'm not sure either. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I guess that's an invitation to being okay to being hurt. It's an invitation into being okay to be offended. Um, I feel like for Dave and I, and like just in our friendships, we've learned to be better friends to people because we get to be friends here with people that we wouldn't have become friends with otherwise yeah. um, because we're all so different. And if we were just left our own devices, it wouldn't be as colorful, right? So. Um, if we're okay with being offended and knowing that Jesus gives us a solution to our offense and our hurts, then it is such a rich experience. And I'm so grateful to be here. And each time a new face comes into this room, like we have that same gratitude for you coming in. And if this is a place for you where you feel at home, we're so excited. And if it's another place, then we pray you find that place too. So, yeah. yes. Good job, Liz. Well, um, I wanted to keep Ashton up here and excuse you three, you guys did amazing. Um, I've, I've got a few um, notes that I wrote down on just what I felt like the Lord wanted to share about, you know, what is the church to him and 
and the glory of, of the gathering of the saints. But before we jump into that, I wanted to keep Ashley up here so that she could interject her wisdom whenever she wants to. Um, it's just the, the glory of being one. Um, but Ashley, you want to you wanna share with the body what you, you feel is church? Um, if anyone's been um, somewhat surprised because the word offense or... <laughs> or sacrifice or other things have been said. Um, it, it's just a truth of what it looks like to, to really be in covenant, to be walking with people. I mean, if, if you have walked with the Lord for any amount of time, there is, there's an opportunity to get offended at the Lord. You know, I mean, it's not even just people. Like learning to be able to process through relationships well is a life skill that we need for our relationship with the Lord. We need it with our relationship with our spouses, our children, our coworkers. Um, but uh, the thing I love about this body up here in Frisco is that <clears throat> there are people in this room with history with the Lord. Yeah. You have history with the Lord. You have history with church. And so it's like when people come into this room, we, we automatically just know because of the demographic of people we've met again and again and again that the people in this room are in this room because they love the Lord. They're in this room because they've spent um, a decade more or more with the Lord. They've had the opportunity to get offended and still be in this room. That's powerful. And... Yeah. There are a lot of things that expectations that I've had to walk through what it looks like for us to be in this role, what it looks like to be a minister, what it looks like to be a pastor. And um, a lot of people have a lot of ideas of what it should look like. There's a lot of um, uh, programs and other things to do. Um, but There's good and bad that are traditions good, yeah, that are good. Um, but it was a couple of months ago, I was in this room, we were at Sunday morning, we were worshiping and the worship team got silent and the room got really quiet and silent. And I was kind of on my face with the Lord. And I heard him say to me, this is all that it is. This is your job, gathering people into a room and pointing them at my face. Yeah. Because what we do as a church, it's basically, it's like a weird club. Like you guys just decided to show up here on a Sunday morning because we all love Jesus. You got here for, we talked about this last week. There's so many different reasons that people came into this room. Um, but my goal is that when we gather, we become a people, whether you're in a small group, you're in a friendship or you're one of the staff members, that our goal is to come back together and to do this and to remind each other of him, of his worth, of his goodness. That's why, we, you know, his presence is so important to us. That's why we meet all week with a prayer room because we're wanting to come back to looking at him because it seems to solve a lot of the noise that's around us. And so when I think about what church is, I think about it's getting a bunch of people in a room and all collectively just looking at him. Mm-hmm. That's good, babe. It reminds me of a, a teaching that one of my favorite worship leaders used to give, and he would say that uh, the greatest worship leader in the Bible was the donkey that carried Jesus into Jerusalem. <laughs> and we all look at him sideways like, what are you talking about, man? Unpack that. And he said that um, 
The donkey didn't think that there was anything particularly special about himself, but he carried the Lord in such a way that the whole city rushed out to worship the one on his back that he was carrying. And, you know, the donkey didn't go back to the stable that day and say to the other donkeys, you should have heard all of Jerusalem singing my donkey praise today. (laughs) No, they were praising the one that we carry. And we all carry Jesus so beautifully. And our job is to just simply represent, we represent the Lord as his ambassadors. And when we gather together in this room, there's a collective representing, representing of the Lord that doesn't happen when we're alone. That's one of the reasons why the gathering of the saints is so important. That was Alexis's point that we, we're not gonna see all of Jesus unless we see all of one another. It's Christ in us is our hope of glory. Um, and yeah, the upper room, we, we've had such an incredible um, uh, time being under the leadership of Michael and Larissa Miller. It's been hard, it's been beautiful, it's been growing, but it's been incredibly refreshing. They're the type of leaders that empower you to be the leader you were meant to be instead of trying to replicate who they are. And so when, when we were planting Uproom Frisco, I don't know why I'm getting into this, I just feel the Holy Spirit, but when we were planting Uproom Frisco, they, they didn't want us to create a franchise. Uh, they knew that there would be different callings, anointings, and personalities fleshing out the mission, which is ministering to the heart of God, morning, noon, and night, through worship and prayer, and experiencing his presence, transforming lives. That's, that's who we are, but they always gave us the permission to be ourselves, which is incredibly uh, refreshing. And I actually believe that that's where all the power is hidden. And when, when we're not being ourselves, we're limiting God's ability to flow through the design that he created in us. Um, can you put up that slide? This is... Um, you know, who is the church? What is the church? Uh, Crowell, Ryan Crowell said something earlier that was really deep and profound. And he said that uh, he was speaking of, of Vladimir on how his identity informs his behavior. And that's actually how it should always be. That is actually how it always is. Who we believe we are will affect the way that we behave in this world. And so I wanted to define and and look at the identity of the church. And so these are five of the most uh, predominant uh, metaphors uh, or symbolic language to define the church. And each one of these metaphors has incredible things in it that are also quite literal. But at, at their heart, they're a metaphor and And we can get so much treasure if we just mine these metaphors, if we look into what they mean. And so the the first one, and this is probably the most often mentioned um, title for the church, it's the body of Christ. How intense is that? That Jesus, like Yahweh himself, became incarnate in the frame of man, was born just like us, in order that when he died, resurrected, and ascended, he would deliver us of our sin disease so that his spirit could dwell in us, that we would be his remaining body on earth until he returns. Like, this is mystical and beautiful, and it is 
it is our reality. And there's you know, some of the, the key verses about us being the body. This is 1 Corinthians 12. The reason I just put the chapters up there mainly is because it's a theme that you know, carries throughout a lot of the chapter. Uh, and there's not a lot of room on those slides. So anyway, 1 Corinthians 12, just as the body, just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And then it goes on to that cool part where it says, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong to the body, it, no, it, it doesn't mean that it stops belonging to the body. And so uh, this is a, a really good verse to talk about how we are one body made up of many parts and every single one of us is important. Not just important, but vitally important to the body functioning the way it's designed to function. Romans 12 just hammers this point home again. It says, for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So that takes it even uh, deeper and it talks about how, like, there's another verse where it says that the Holy Spirit has knit our hearts together, which means that when we choose to be part of a body, like we're, we're intimately connected. We need one another. Um, and Ashley brought this point up a, a couple weeks ago in staff, and she said, um, when we were talking about what is the body, she said, be so important to the body that you're noticed when you're not there. Be so vitally connected that like, people feel a loss when you're not in the room. Well, I mean, when you have a family and you get together for Christmas or you get together for a family gathering, if someone's not there, you notice, right? So the idea is to get yourself so vitally connected that when you don't show up, people are like, oh gosh, you're not here. We should call. We should figure out, do they need something? Can Who's going to wash the something? dishes? <laughs> <laughs> or You know what I mean? But like, like you call, you want to check up. Oh, they're not feeling well. Oh my goodness. How can we come around them? How can we, do they need dinner? Do they need, you know what I mean? It's, that's mm -hmm. what it looks like as a family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is uh, Ephesians 4, 16 it says, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So this um, speaks to that, that same point that as we're doing the thing that we're gifted to do within the context of body, the body collectively is maturing and growing up into what Paul hoped would happen in Ephesians 4.11. It says that, that these, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers exist for the equipping of the saints and the building up of the body until we all reach the unity of the faith and the mature stature that is of Christ, the fullness of Christ. In other words, Paul is saying that if you guys function as a body, if we all come together, not give up on one another, and bring our gifts to the table, then one day the church will be as powerful as Jesus himself. That's the promise of that scripture. Uh, Colossians 3 says, 
This is, I wanted to spend a little bit of time on this, but we're gonna keep on going. It says, bear with, one, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Ah, oh, that one, I just love it. And it, I mean, it reminds me so much of the 1 Corinthians 14, 26, that when you come together, you know, everyone brings something. And it reminds me of, uh, it's Ephesians, I believe it's five or six, where it says, don't, be, don't get drunk with wine, that leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. When's the last time you sang to someone? You know what I mean? Looked at someone and sang of their beauty. I know this is a crazy, this is, I know this is outside the box, y'all, but this is in the Bible, and a buddy of mine saw this happen firsthand. He was walking into a Walmart one day, and uh, the Lord said to my friend, go tell that woman she's beautiful and you love her. And he's like, what? <laughs> and so he does the religious thing and goes over and, and kind of shouts, hey, God says you're beautiful and he loves you. And she just kind of keeps on walking. It doesn't phase her at all. And, uh, and the Lord said, that's not what I told you to do. So he goes over and stops her, looks her in the eyes and says, you're beautiful and I love you. Like sings, you're beautiful and I love you. This woman begins to weep. She's, she like breaks down. And she said, the, the story goes that that morning she was wondering if anyone would think she was beautiful, if anyone would love her. And him representing Jesus, instead of just saying what Jesus said, him representing Jesus was actually where the power was unlocked. Wow. Okay, uh, next metaphor of the church. We are the bride of Christ. All right, ladies, if you are brethren, then the boys can be also the bride, okay? <laughs> it's, it's metaphorical. There's obviously always a point where metaphors break down, but yeah, we are betrothed. Uh, this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 11. We're betrothed to one husband to be presented as a pure virgin to him. Uh, Ephesians 5 says that we are to be presented to him as a bride without spot or blemish, and then it goes on a little bit further. It says, this is the mystical part. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Come on, Alexis. And the two will become one. We're not one. letting it go. We are going <laughs> to celebrate the heck out of the fact that they got engaged. Long time coming. <laughs> For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. Y'all ready? Buckle your seatbelts. Says this is a profound mystery, but I'm speaking of Christ and his church. In other words, Christ left his heavenly family, so to speak, 
in order to come and redeem his bride, that we would be one flesh, which is what we are now, which means that we've been brought into the family. You know who that your, your father and mother are now. It's the Father and the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is your husband. He's also your big brother, the firstborn among many brethren. We've been ransomed. The bride price has been paid, and he has brought us in. This is just amazing, great news. And then, of course, the, the bride shows up in a big way in Revelation chapters 19 through 21. There's the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're all going to be there. It's going to be great. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Another metaphor for what the church is. We're known to be the family of God. And this one, um, you know, it's not... Uh, explicitly uh, said, it's implicitly throughout all of the New Testament with family language, with the father, the mother, the, the son. We are brothers and sisters, we are his children. So we, this, we are the family, we are heirs. It's just all over the New Testament, that's who we are. We're the family of God on earth. Uh, we're also known as the temple. So each one of us, we are individual temples, but we are all being built together as the corporate temple. Um, this is uh, Ephesians 2, well, actually, I'll go to First Peter 2, 5 first. It says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built upon the foundation of the, the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself being our chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. So it's very true that individually, we are the temple, we're, we're the temple of God. Like he lives in our heart, like the spirit lives in us. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is dwelling in our hearts. But it's also true on top of that, that as we join together like living stones, finding our place in the building of God, there is an even deeper and greater reality of that God in his fullness is dwelling and moving through his church. Amen? Amen. Open doors. You got anything to add? Okay. <laughs> we are also just in general, we're the gathering, the gathering of the saints. This is a Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. That was written about 2000 years ago, y'all. So if they saw the day approaching back then, how much closer is it now? How much more important it is that we don't give up on the gathering of the saints now? Guys, I, I believe that we are entering a season in history where if you are not intimately, correctly connected to the body of Christ, you will be a target for the enemy. You will not endure the days to come. I promise you. That is, that is straight from scripture. The whole goal of the enemy is to isolate people out of the body so that 
We would be wolf bait. You know, lone sheep are wolf bait. So find a body, get connected. Um, you know, this, this is not an exhaustive list. But these are just predominant themes. Um, you know, the, the first century church had just so much glory on it. I love reading in the book of Acts what it looked like when the saints gathered, what happened when the saints gathered, why the saints gathered, how they prayed, how they worshiped, the miracles that they saw, how they, they preferred one another. They didn't even consider their own possessions to be their own. They, give, they gave to anyone who had need. And there was just power. And there was one time when they, they gathered together and they prayed this prayer. Check out this prayer. Lord, consider their threats and grant your servants to continue to preach your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And as they prayed, the building was shaken. An earthquake was released on that building and they spilled out of the building, preaching the word with signs and wonders and great boldness and many were added to their number. I mean, come on. We need to just gather and pray like that again. Uh, Ryan Crowell sent this quote to me this week and he had no idea what I was preaching on. That's how awesome this is. This is us being the body even, you know, as the week goes, goes by. Who, who loves to get an encouraging text, you know, from another brother or sister or like you just stumbled upon a quote from a book and you just send it to someone, it lights you up, you know? The Holy Spirit is like this contagious, like drunkenness that goes through the text chain. Like it's a wonderful thing. So uh, Ryan sent this to me and... This, this is a, a quote from a philosopher from 125 AD. So he was living in the first and second century, like when the church, the formation of the church. And so he was commenting on Christians. He was commenting on the believers. And this is what he said. This is just like a, a secular philosopher named Aristides. He says, they walk in all humility and kindness and falsehood is not found among them, and they love one another. They despise not the widow, and grieve not the orphan. He that has distributes liberally to him who has not. If they see a stranger, they bring him under their roof and rejoice over him as if he were their own brother. For they call themselves the brethren not after the flesh, but after the spirit and in God. Y'all, I want that to be said about us. I want, like, this is, guys, today isn't a commercial for Upper Room Frisco. I'm just ta I'm talking about the church in general, but our body, the one that we have the ability to influence and grow, I want it to be said about our body in this town whenever they, they hear about Upper Room Frisco or talk about Upper Room Frisco, I want this town to say they love one another. They love everyone. They welcome people in. They provide for people who have need. You, they will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. That's what Jesus said. Can we stand and pray? And I want to say one last thing. It, it's, it's one thing to come to church, but it's another thing to come to church and be known. You can be in friendships and not be known. You can be in family or marriage and not be known. There's something, there is an exercise of actually learning how to um, be known. 
And so we do, we want to, again, it's not a commercial for this, but, but if, if you don't get known here, we just encourage you, get known. Mm-hmm. Find a body where you feel like you can get known. Your walls can come down, as Alexis said, and people can vulnerably see you. Yeah. Yeah, so Father, we ask that what you intended, your dream for the church would be realized in this family apart from any building or physical location, I ask that your dream for the church would be realized in the relationships in this room and the power flowing from within us. I ask that you would transform Frisco by the power of your spirit through the way that we love one another, through the way that we love this world, through the way that we speak to the people that we run into through the the businesses that we build and how we run them, Lord. We would be your body. We would be your bride. We would be your family. We would be your ambassadors. We would represent you to this world. And ask God that you would heal us all from all the offenses, all the church wounds, all the spiritual trauma that we've experienced through the years. Lord, we forgive them and we forgive ourselves. And we put a mile marker down and say, this is a new day where I will choose to trust people and let people in. In Jesus' name, amen.